0: you can be a great writer but if you don't know how to say it the way it's the way the story lived it ain't gonna hit it ain't gonna hit welcome to the journey to paid speaking gigs podcast where we focus on how to find your voice develop your message so that you can get consistently paid speaking gigs that generate income Not only are you gonna learn how to find your voice, but you're gonna hear from professionals in the industry who are making a powerful impact, sharing their story and transforming lives. My name is Charles Clark. I'm an international speaker and ex-professional athlete. And I believe that everyone has a story to tell, but not too many people are telling it. And that's why I created this podcast, because I'm passionate about helping people break the silence even if their voice shakes. And today's guest is gonna give you the insight on how you can do just that. J.R. Martinez is a burn survivor, army veteran, actor, New York Times best-selling author, motivational speaker and advocate. He's a keynote speaker at major corporation events and nonprofits and travels around the world to spread his message on resilience and optimism. JR has traveled around the world to speak with troops, as well as serving as a keynote speaker with Delta, Wells Fargo, Verizon, State Farm, General Mills, and numerous other nonprofits, universities, and Fortune 500 companies. JR, welcome to the show, brother. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to
1: be here and to talk about something that, uh, honestly, I'm so passionate about. And, yeah. uh, and, and And so it's great to be able to expand and kind of touch on that a little bit.
0: Man, like, listen, man, the tribe is ready to hear from you. The question I have is, who is J.R. Martinez? And how did he find himself sharing his story and transforming lives? Man, that's a, that's
1: a, usually, see, usually you read my bio like you did. And then, you know, and then I don't have to do any of this, right? Like, yeah, it's all yeah. easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I would honestly say that I'm just a curious student of life. I I think that's that's essentially what kind of encompasses who I am. I'm very much like that for I've lived a little bit of a Forrest Gump life where, you know, Forrest Gump, he's like, you know, people like you should try this and suggest that. And he just listened and paid attention and just said, okay, fine. You know, to some degree, maybe a little naive, you know, as Forrest was, you know, like, I don't know. Right. Am I going to do well? Am I not going to do well? Uh, You know, really think about the consequences. I just for me, I'm like, I'm curious about that. I want to know a little bit more, a little bit more about that. And, And and I'm constantly listening. I'm constantly listening. I, I am, you know, I have an eight year old daughter, and uh, you know, we, my wife and I, were talking recently about how what what she got from me. We definitely know she got from me was this, abil- this, this ability to observe. Right? She has mm-hmm. this quality where she's constantly observing. She's she like to the point where I have to like tap and be like, "Are Yo, you staring at people? Like, stop staring." <laughs> and my wife says, "Well, you do that too." <laughs> and it's so funny because I can recount. To my wife, did you notice that person was wearing like these shoes? And did you notice when they did this? And she was like, what? Like, And I was like, that's how observant I am. But because I'm so curious, like I study people, I watch people, I listen to people. And I believe it's because of that ability of me putting my pride to the side and being able to receive constructive criticism, being able to receive feedback and not try to get defensive and not take it too personal. Mm-hmm. And just say, "Hey, well, tell me more about that, Charles. Like, what do you mean? Like, like, okay, what? Like, give me an example. What do you mean? Or or why did you do that? Or or why did you choose that? That was interesting. Like, that kind of was was a different way of going about it. And because I've been willing to approach every scenario in in my life that with that with that mindset, I believe that is the reason why I've been introduced to all these incredible opportunities. Uh. It's not by You know, I believe that all of us are presented with these opportunities throughout the course of our lives. The only difference is is who is willing to listen and pay attention and trust and who Mm. isn't. Right. Like I you know, for me, when I was injured, and I know we'll probably get into a little bit of this, but when I was injured, man, like I was told my identities were taken away from me. And I put identities, plural. And the reason what I mean by that is what I looked like for 19 years of my life, suddenly I didn't look like that same person. So I had to accept who this new person was. While at the same time, my short time in the military, I had developed this attitude of, man, I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I had found purpose like you. Oh man, it's bigger than me. I'm a part of a, a community, a fraternity of men and women that volunteered to serve and give back. I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then I was told after I was injured, I can no longer stay in the army. So I was going to be medically discharged. So now the identity that I was starting to create for myself as a professional, as an adult now was being taken away from me. So I literally started from scratch Mm. and I found myself multiple times throughout this recovery process, throughout this journey of life in the last 17 years, since I was injured in dark spaces, in dark rooms with Mm -hmm. no... Feeling the walls and trying to find the door, and not being able to find where's that door. Like I'm trying to find that secret door, mm-hmm. and finally I found a door that opened, and there was, I mean, to be you know as as corny as it may sound, there was light through that door, and I was like, oh, okay, I could go through that door. That's my, that's my way out of this dark room. What but was because that? Because like? so many of us are stuck in our own ways. So many of us have been taught that we have to stay committed and believe in the goal and the dream and not quit. And. W- what we haven't been taught is the importance and the ability to adapt. Yeah. And my ability to look at that door that had light coming through it and say, okay, this isn't part of my plan. I didn't, I mean, I didn't plan for this, but I'm going to trust me and I'm going to trust whatever you believe in God, the universe, whatever you believe in, I'm going to trust in that. I'm going through that door and let's see what happens. And because I tried that early on, I discovered that there was, this wasn't just a temporary light. This yes. was a permanent light. And I just had to keep trusting the light and keep going through those doorways, even if they weren't doors that I had keys to. Yeah. I still had to be willing to put myself in those spaces. And so so I've just consistently done that, man, where I'm personally, in my per- personal life and my professional life, I just sit here and, and put myself in spaces where I can learn, where I can listen, where I can pay attention, and where I can hopefully
0: evolve. Mm. So when you went through that door, that light that was speaking.
1: It, yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't speaking at first. So mm-hmm. what it was for me at first was this, this notion of, okay. So I didn't, I, I never, n- n- never, never, Growing up, that I ever experienced somebody that was like a, a, a paid professional speaker, right? Like, I mean, I met people that were like maybe salesmen and things of yeah. that nature, which I guess is like another way of being a paid spokesman. Mm-hmm. But, but, but for, for specifically, that's all they did. I never knew anybody, mm-hmm. right? And my idea of a of a motivational speaker or a public speaker was like the cliche, like you're going to turn your life around. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, you believe in yourself, like that kind of tone and that energy. And yeah. I was, and, and, and so it was never at the forefront of my mind. What it was is when I was asked to visit, when I started visiting patients in a hospital, while I was recovering from my own injury, I started learning that, Oh, wait, speaking, to them about my experience and what I've experienced and how things have gotten better for me. That's impactful. Mm. But the most impactful thing a speaker can do is put yourself in a space and listen to your audience. Yeah. Because your audience will give you, your audience will nav will guide you. The audience will say, this is what I want more of. This is what I Mm -hmm. need more of. And then you have to have the ability as a speaker to quickly pivot. I mean, so, so I would walk in, To one room, visit one patient that was having a horrible day, but I just left the room with the patient that was like on this incredible high, had this incredible perspective, this incredible attitude, and I'm like, I'm feeding off of that. But then all of a sudden, I walk into this other room, and it's like, oh, I got to meet them there. I got to bring my energy down and meet them there. That's why it's so hard to be a speaker. It's emotionally draining. It's not just physically draining. It's emotionally draining because. The people you interact with are always going to have different levels. They're going to come at you with different spaces from a different perspective, and you have to, as the person, you have to meet them there. So emotionally, Mm -hmm. think about where you were. What you were constantly doing. You're constantly on this wave of just going up and down. And I found the power of healing by allowing myself to be present for others by Mm -hmm. offering. My own pain and my own journey to others. I found that I was healing through that journey, and I loved that, and I fell in love with it, and then I became more passionate about it. And let me tell you how I actually really got into speaking,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, where I thought about it as a profession. So a year after I was injured, I was you know still visiting patients, and uh, I got involved with uh, a nonprofit to help veterans. And I asked them. I said, "I want to do something. What can I do to help?" And they said, "Can we want you to be a spokesman? You have a story." you tell it very well. And it's interesting because I was born and raised in the South, man. And when you look at old clips of me at 19, 20, 21 years old, Mm -hmm. I had, I I talked like this. I had like a little bit of a, you
2: know,
1: know? like it was like, who is this guy? And, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll speak. I don't know what that means. And I started speaking on behalf of the nonprofit raising money And ultimately, people started seeing me on TV, local, national TV, saying, hey, we want that kid to come and speak. And I remember the first time somebody came to me and said, we got a request. It was the public affairs office of the hospital. And they said, we got a request for you to come and speak. And I said, speak. What kind of speaking? They said, motivational (laughs) speaking. I said, I don't want to do that. She she said, why not? I said, because like, I was 20. So I was like, girls don't like motivational speakers. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the times
0: that, have changed. Yeah, like that's not
1: that's not that's not that's not what, that's not what girls like. And but but it os- honestly spoke to not only my age but also my insecurity related to my injury and my scars. Yeah. I felt that I needed to have a profession that was cool because that was the right. only reason girls would want to be attracted to me. I felt there was no way that the girls could be attracted to me with scars on my face right. and on my body. Mm. So I rejected it for that as as well. But I also rejected it because I was like, like I said, growing up I didn't hear anybody you know, be praised and, and, and be, you know, uh, awarded for being a speaker. That wasn't something that was in my psyche. So mm. I just remember rejecting it. And he said, won't you try it? And he kept insisting, insisting. And I finally was like, all oh, fine, I'll try it. And I remember trying it for the first time. And I spoke to a group of people, incredibly green for about 10 minutes at a luncheon mm. and had didn't know how to prepare, didn't know how to do anything.
0: Yeah. But and when
1: I got off stage, man- like the amount of people that came up to me and said, and the thing what people said to me that really turned the corner for me, they mm. said, I can relate to you. Mm. And I'm looking at these people and I'm like, okay, well, how can you relate to me? Yeah. Because on the surface, it doesn't look like you can relate to me because mm. they hadn't been through what I had been through. They, mm. they, were, they weren't recovering in the hospital the way I was. The, most of them shared with me. They didn't grow up the same way that I did, but they can relate to me because they've dealt with change. Right. They dealt with loss. They dealt with having to reinvent themselves, how to find out what their purpose is, yeah. figuring out how to serve people, you know, how to, that was the thing that allowed me to understand, oh, wait, this isn't a message that I can just keep and keep to this community. Mm-hmm. I can grow and expand outside of this.
0: I think that's, that's the power of story. Even though you're telling your own, you, the ability of a great speaker that they can tell their story and then other people can see themselves in it yes yes the
1: ability to create because you can't recreate the moment right like it's like these tv shows when they're solving a crime or whatever it is and they have and they put at the bottom when you see like the scene playing out and it says reenactment right Mm -hmm. and it's like you you as a speaker have especially if you're telling the story of a personal journey you have to reenact it you have to pull you have to go to that place Mm -hmm. every single time because even though for you as the speaker. It's, it's exhausting because it's the 15th time you've told this story or the 15,000 times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For your audience, it's the first time. Yeah. But most of them, they have no idea who you are and what you're, what, why you're there, but yeah. you're there. And right. so, you as a speaker, and what I learned is that I have to create a picture. I have to take them on this journey, this show, this movie of my life. Oh, and then, yeah. hopefully, as you said, they can start to kind of place themselves in the scenes as well. They can see themselves in the story. And then at the end, the conclusion, they can see how their own movie, how their own show, their doc, their book can end as well. Yeah. That, as you said, is the true power of a speaker, being able to not necessarily make it about you. You're using you. You are the vehicle. You are the platform, how you deliver, how you distribute the content. However, when you can start piling people inside of that car with you, Mm. they go for the ride that's 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 when you're going to start getting people coming up to you and saying oh my god that that impacted me and you know another thing i had to get i had to learn i was the the young when i finally decided okay i'll try it i was 22 years old 21 22 years old and the more i started to do it i would get on stage man and and, and people would give me like you know 10 15 minutes you know a little courtesy yeah. you know like an <laughs> opening act you know you just- and I'd get on stage, and you, I mean, you would think that I wasn't mic'd. You would think that they didn't have a budget for a microphone, that they were like, J.R., you're going to have to, like, really yell. Because I would yeah. get on stage, and because I saw the amount of people in the room, and I felt that I needed to speak to them. I needed to, like, radiate and be yeah. loud. And I, what I started doing early on was recording myself and then watching myself by myself. And I would say to myself, why do I sound like that? Why am I
0: yelling? <laughs> it's it's amazing what happens when you when you look at yourself <laughs> in the mirror, right? And you you see, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, this is
1: what they see, like yes. this is what they're hearing.
0: Like, no wonder. Sometimes and, and that evaluation can be p- can be painful.
1: it, it is, but it's but, needed. Right. Yes, it's necessary. Exactly. Because yeah. we're all gonna be our worst critics. And, and we all have to be willing, first and foremost, to look at ourselves and say, okay, we're not all that. It's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to become all that. But right now we're not. Yeah. And I'm okay with saying that and acknowledging that. But what I started to do is I started to, when I would get on stage, no matter how many people were in the room, I would literally find, let's say there was a hundred people in the room. Let's say there's 50 people in the room. Mm-hmm. I would literally find five people, five people in the room. That, that were kind of staggered, right? Yeah. Like if there was two rows or three rows, I would find somebody in the second row. And, and on the right, I would find a, a person on the 10th row in the middle, On the you know, like you get it. Like I would just find five, like around five people, yeah. five people that were giving me feedback mm-hmm. as I started opening, that were giving me that positive affirmation that oh, you're doing, oh, we like this, kid. we like this right. energy. Right. And so what I did is then I started speaking to them, only to them, and because I was doing that, naturally, I started to get more comfortable. Naturally, my message started to carry and fill the room. Because yeah. I had this notion that when I show up, I, every person that leaves that room has to walk away saying, oh, my God, right. wow, that yeah. guy, J.R. Martinez. Yeah, <laughs> and I finally had to accept, no, not everybody's going to be that. Yeah, but If one
0: person is, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest mistakes that speakers can have is trying to get that attention of the person who's not paying attention to you. in the room, Right. Like you're trying all your all your energy to, to get his attention, get her attention. But she's on the phone. Meanwhile, you got a whole other group of people yeah. who are just hanging on at the edge of their seat. Yeah. Waiting for you. Waiting for more. You,
1: you know exactly. what I tell people? And a lot of times I use I, I, a lot of times I'll use this to open. Mm. I, i'll open by using this analogy where i'll say let's say for example you got 20 everybody in this in this room right now has 20 bucks in their pocket and let's say everybody is you know going to lunch after this you're going to lunch you're walking down the sidewalk you come across a penny on the, on the sidewalk but you're like i don't need to pick up that penny because i got 20 bucks in my pocket so mm. i'm gonna step right over that penny and keep it moving well you get to lunch and you, you're like man i'm hungry i'm gonna order that that you know i'm gonna throw that on there as well they go ring you up that'll be twenty dollars and one cent, <laughs> suddenly you turn around, you're like, where's that penny? You yeah, go right? look at that penny, someone else <laughs> look that penny, that penny's gone. Mm. The point of that is, me as a speaker, everybody, every other presenter that's going to be present before you over the next few days or, or this one day, whatever it is, throughout life, people are going to drop change. Mm. People are going to drop change. And all of us are in different places in our lives that some of us feel we need that change right now. But if you feel like you don't need that change right now, let me tell you something: you still pick up that change because five steps from now, twenty steps from now, fifty steps from now, you're gonna hope you picked up that penny, yeah. and you're gonna hope that you put it in your pocket. While everyone yeah. else is stuck on this one road, you have enough change in your pocket to pay that toll road. And guess right. what? You're flying, baby! Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, I open with that, and the whole reason what I want to do is kind of set the tone for people that might just be like, "Ah, this this isn't for me." Like this isn't. I know hey, it. No, don't 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 take it for granted. Yeah. Charles is going to share something, something that, that will be useful information to you. Maybe not right now because everything's groovy in your life. Right. But tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you're going to be like, man, I remember this one guy telling me this. I don't know what his name was, but I remember what he said. I remember how he made me feel. Oh, that's, that's all I need. Mm -hmm. So. You're right. You have to come to the conclusion and understanding that not every person is going to give you just be like, ah, eat at the palm of your hand. Some people are just, they're not in that space. Some people, yeah. you know, they don't have the attention span. Some people aren't interested. There's a variety of things, distractions that take place. Yeah. Focus on, that's why I find people that are kind of giving me that good energy. Yeah. And if I feel that they're responding, reacting to it, I get into a flow. And yeah. now I feel like I'm just having a conversation with five intimate friends.
2: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. We, we talk about that in the program, finding that flow where you can just transcend the script and it's just organic, right? Mm-hmm. you just have that conversation. You got this quote on your website. It hit me hard. Uh-oh. You said, scars are like tattoos with better stories. And I think on a superficial level, you can't comprehend the magnitude of that statement, right? When did you begin to develop... That profound perspective.
1: I, 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 honestly, it was a defense mechanism earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I said that, I used it as a defense mechanism. I used it as a way to protect myself from rejection, wow. from me being young and wanting to date girls or you know find somebody or just kind of be in different social circles. Mm-hmm. I was always creating the narrative in my head that people were going to neglect me, access to this space because of my scars and so what i what i had to do also is because people would stare at me because of my scars i had to find something that would help kind of toughen me up a little bit on the exterior where i wouldn't allow people that were staring at me frequently to control and dictate the rest of my day and yeah. the in the way the, the direction it was going to move in so honestly i sort of i i i created that i started to say that and and carry myself as a way to kind of be like no forget you you know what yeah like these scars right like it was right. it was it was it was a little arrogant it mm-hmm. was a little arrogant because I, I i was like i said i was insecure and i was defensive yeah and then when i finally understood like the power in it and the messaging in it and I started to accept my scars and accept myself and started to evolve and grow. I mm-hmm. would tell you that it was probably around 2008. So five years after I was injured and I, and one of the, and, and I was really blessed that five years, almost to the day that I was at, after I was injured, I had this opportunity to be a, a, in a photo shoot for people magazine. Mm-hmm. They were doing a, um, uh, they were doing an anniversary story of the five-year mark of the war in Iraq. And they thought, let's find some troops. Since I'd kind of been a little bit on the, on the, on the, on the circuit, right, you know, they found yeah. me. I connected with somebody. They said, we want, we want you. And I remember when we were doing the photo shoot, we were in Atlanta. And I had, you know, had all these clothes or whatever, you know, all these different looks and wardrobe changes. Um, you know, the photo that we ended up rocking with was me with my shirt off wearing uh uh, like my cap like my military cap yeah yeah and dog tags but i was the first time where i mean and it wasn't like from like the waist up it was like from probably like mid chest up yeah but still you can see the graphs on my arms you can see like my like a couple scars on my chest and so i just exposed myself I, uh, I mean, talk about being vulnerable uh,
0: publicly, yeah,
1: it publicly, right. And people magazine. And then when it came out, you know, I had no power, no control to kind of find out like, Hey, so what's the breast spread you're going to look at? What's the story the gonna look like? Mm-hmm. It was literally when you open it, it was two pages. Like literally my face and my body was like in you, in you, in your face. Like when you open to my page. Yeah. And that's when I started to receive, information from people like oh my god i'm burned, or i have a scar because of whatever transpired in my life uh, and the fact that you put yourself out there in that space and you took pride in it that's when i really started to understand oh wait a minute yeah the same statement i can now use it and flip it mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, as mm-hmm.
1: long as i come at it from a different place mentally and emotionally and that's literally what changed the game for me charles
0: perspective yeah, I yeah. Think- you know, our, our stories are the best stories to live and we can't be ashamed of those things. And I think like for me, what I remember when I had that injury and I hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out myself, I didn't want that scar. I didn't want it because mm-hmm. all I knew was what I knew. But the scar was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yes. Because I, I, I found so much, much more purpose, you know. My scar is different from yours, right? My, my, my scar was me uh, being a top one percent of athletes in the world, and then it be completely being taken away from me. Yeah, right. But that's the story that I'm living, you know. But I found a way to not live that story in a negative way. Yeah. I found a way to use that story to help somebody else's story, right? To leverage it, and so right. that scar.
1: But prior to when you see people with scars you interpret that as a limitation there mm-hmm, is yeah. you, there is an element of a setback a failure to some degree whatever right there's been something that has happened like you've dropped you fail you you know you you, you weren't you weren't at the top the whole time right like yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it, it's which is why people and, and and my wife, you know, my wife, God bless her, you know, and 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 my mother in law, my sister in law, like you know, they have lost a lot of of, of people and their family in the last you know eight years. My younger sister in law, my father in law passed away recently. Like I mean, mm. and he's young, like in his fifties. And you know, my wife, we, we we're on this journey, and and yeah. she's on this journey where she's realizing that her childhood was. I mean, she was blessed. She has no scars, no scars. Uh-huh life didn't beat her up because her parents created an incredible life for her and her siblings. But now that she's get older, unfortunately life has kind of roughed her around a little bit, you know, yeah. and through some, she has some scars. They're yeah. not external. They're right. internal. Right? right. But she has some scars and, and, and and she now I've explained to her, now that you have these scars, you're going to find yourself in circles with people that don't have scars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're going to start to kind of look at them and say, how unfortunate that you haven't experienced and earned your scar yet. And it is a blessing to be able to have a scar. It's a beautiful symbol of courage that you've been through something that more than you've healed and you've survived something. And the scar does not define you. The scar propels you. And the minute that I finally got to the place where I, as a young kid could understand the power in a scar Right. I started wearing sleeveless shirts. Mm. I started, I, I never, I never got to a point where I completely went like, you know, shirtless, but you know, like sometimes yeah. I was like, okay, I'll take the shirt off. But yeah, you know, but, but I started to take incredible amounts of pride right. in, in my scar. I used to wear hats. I mean, you see me wearing a hat right now. Mm -hmm. I was so insecure because growing up, I had curly hair and the girls like, oh, he's you know, nice hair, whatever. And so I used to be proud of that. Well, my head was burned third degree. So all the hair is gone. So early on with skin grafts on my head, I was so insecure about it. I literally bought so many hats. I was that guy that had like a hat that matched every (laughs) pair of shoes and every shirt that I had in my closet because I I couldn't be seen without... I had on, I couldn't be seen where I couldn't bear my, my head, my scars, my grafts. Mm -hmm. And then in 2008, after I did that shoot and I started to get all that, started to get all that feedback, I realized, no, there's power in this. So now I just, I take the hat. I'm I'm wearing a hat today because I kind of feel comfortable with it, but I can take it off right now and be like, what's the big deal? No big deal. I'm proud of this dome when it's nice and clean. I got it Uh shaved. Right. I don't care that there's a scar on there. That scar represents this journey. Right. And if you can still see me smiling, despite all these scars, mm-hmm. guess what? I'm leading. I'm yeah. leading without even saying yeah. one single word I'm leading because my behavior, my, 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 the most basic form of leadership is modeling the way. How yeah. are you going to maneuver? What's your body language going to be like when you share spaces with people? So you don't even have to say a word. And that's yeah. what I learned is when I'm on stage, I don't even have to open my mouth. I can stand there for 15 seconds completely just saying nothing, dead silence, and I'm getting people. Mm-hmm. I got them. Yeah. I got them. I could tell you how many times I'd get on stage, man, and I'd say something, and all of a sudden, I'd just stop. I'd, I've walked on stage after being introduced, and everyone's like clapping, and I just stand there, and I stand there for five minutes mm-hmm. without saying one word. And literally, I'm smiling, and I just walk back and forth. I've done this, and I did it as a trial. I want to see what people do, how people respond. Mm-hmm. And then I'd open up by saying, that's how long I was trapped inside of the truck.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> wow! I didn't say one word, and people were just Beth. like, "Whoa!" You know, yeah. it's the power of your body language, your attitude, right. the way you move. It's, yeah. I mean, there's so much. People are watching. People are watching.
0: Yeah you're you know and and that's that's the secret to great storytelling you know it's it's not just about what you say it's about how you say it right yes that's that's the game changer you know you can be a great writer but if you don't know how to say it the way it's the way the story lived yeah it ain't gonna hit it ain't gonna hit it's funny
1: it's (laughs) funny you say that i have a good example of that so You know, uh, I'm going to college right now, full time. I, 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 after high school, I joined the military and then, you know, after the military was injured, I just kind of bounced around. And then finally a few years ago, I was like, I want to go to school and just get an education. I just want to do it for me. Yeah. So I go and speak to my advisor as i'm picking classes and he says "Uh, all right hear me out because i had i was still traveling as a speaker and doing other stuff so i couldn't i didn't have this traditional student life where i can just be like yeah pick any class during the day twice a week no i had to like limit it to a class that was once a week that fit my window where i wouldn't miss too many classes from all the engagements i had for the rest of the semester and he's like hear me out this class works with your schedule and i said okay he said effective speaking and he's like, I know you're a professional speaker. I know you do this for a living, but, you know, who knows? Maybe. And I was like, no, nah, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Yeah, put yeah, me in the class. It works. Yep. Like, I can learn something. Like, I'm not walking around thinking, like, I'm Tony Robbins, and I got it all figured out, right? <laughs> Nobody can tell me anything. No, I, I, there's something I can learn. Yeah. So I get in the class, Charles, within the first, like, the first class. By the end of it, I realized this class isn't, like, affect what I thought it was. This class wasn't, like, getting up every week and picking a topic and presenting it to the class. Mm-hmm. This class was about putting a PowerPoint presentation together and then presenting it to the class. Mm. Yo, I got a B in that class, and the reason why I got a B is because my PowerPoint presentations were whack. They were horrible. (laughs) They looked... I mean, like, my daughter could put a better PowerPoint presentation together, but what I noticed is kids, the kids that were in that class, they had fire PowerPoint presentations, Mm. fire graphics, things moving, like... (laughs) You know, like I like I remember and I trying to you- drag something in and then something else moved and I didn't know where it went. And they had these firepower presentations. But, you know, when it came time to present it,
2: Man. they
1: were reading verbatim word for word. Uh. When it came time for me to present it, I didn't even look at that screen. I literally mm. like, knew it. I'm, I was just using it just to kind of give you some other context. Yeah. I was carrying it. I was driving it. And yeah. so that is to the point of where you said, like you can have these people that are really good at putting it on paper or putting it on mm-hmm. a PowerPoint presentation, but yeah. the ability to actually speak it, the ability to actually tell it, the ability to be able to put people in that place, in that moment, to feel like they're actually in that space with you. That's when you're able to create that. That's when you get paid. That's when you start getting paid. <laughs> that's when people yeah. say, Ooh, Okay we're going to, we're going to tell our friends about this guy. Let me write that down. Oh, let let me bring him (laughs) back. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, this year, 2020 has caused everybody to to pivot. Mm -hmm. And from a speaking perspective, of course, I've pivoted. We're now doing virtual. That's our world right now. And I can tell you that I've done a couple of gigs earlier this year at the beginning of 2020 that people about two, three months later, I'm getting an email and an offer and I'm like, wait, didn't I do this one already? And then my agent's like, yeah, they want you to speak to the other division.
2: Yeah. Oh.
1: Right. That's
0: <laughs> that's a good that's feeling. That's it
1: right there. Yeah. That's yeah, it right yeah. there.
0: That's it. Yep. So what are three things you would say are a requirement to develop and nurture yourself as a speaker to become really that, that sought after speaker? What are the what are the requirements? Requirements. That's a that's a that's a that's a great question.
1: I think th- the the word that keeps popping up in my head right now um, is you got to trust. I think you got to trust. You got to trust your story and your ability. Uh, yeah. Um. You're so, you're gonna so run into like all- lean, leaning into your story. Y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you just gotta. You, you, you got to trust because there's going to be instances and I've, I've had those instances where you're in a room where people, you know, just don't give you that same energy back. Right. Right. Like, like the, I can be in a room with, with people from a certain profession and they're just, you know, you're like, you walk off stage. You're like, did I, did, was that good? Did, yeah. did they, did they like that? Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, like, I don't know. Usually by now I had a standing ovation. Like I mm-hmm. got nothing from this group. Yeah. And so I have to walk off stage and trust. Right. Trust my content, trust my story, trust the way I prepared that somebody in that room quietly is affected, is impacted. And so I think that's the thing is that you have to have some tough skin to a degree because you yeah. are constantly being vulnerable and having to put yourself out that you got to trust. You yeah. got to trust your preparation. You got to trust your content, that that's it's impacting somebody. And and I think that is probably one of the biggest things. I think that the, the next thing that stands out, as I mentioned earlier, is Your ability to take constructive criticism, Mm. Um, people would early on, I mean, and people still do it now. People, you know, after I'm done with an event, I ask them, I was like, hey, honestly, what did you think? Like, tell me, th- do you think I could have pivoted sooner? Do you think I could have tied in your messaging, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit better? Do you I, think I could have expanded more? Do you think I should have refrained from going down that road? Give me a f- give me feedback. Yeah. And usually by that time, I've d- I've developed a relationship with people where they say, you know, that was really good. You know, I was really hoping you would go a little bit more into this. I was really hoping, you know, or, you know, that was, yeah, that was great. That was good. You know, right? Get open to that constructive criticism. And so yeah. many of us become so defensive. Because Mm. we we know the work we put into it. And so when somebody tells us it wasn't something different, incredible, exceptional, you get
0: sensitive. (laughs) And your feelings. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, when you start to go into that space, you are preventing yourself from actually receiving the beautiful things that they are providing to you. Yeah. Which is the opportunity to grow and evolve. Right. And I have been receptive to so much constructive criticism even till to this day. Even when yeah. I get offers that that are are good money, I'm yeah. still like, okay, I'm not perfect. What could I have done better? Right. So, I, I would say be open to constructive criticism. Trust be open to constructive criticism. And I think your ability to a, to prepare how to prepare to adapt. And what I mean by that is number three so many of us and i did this early on we have our spiel we have our thing and we are very much like comedians comedians will 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 do a whole tour on the west coast and then come to the Midwest and the east coast and try to do the same exact routine and it doesn't stick yeah because people in the midwest and people on the east coast have a different sense of humor Uh, And so they have to create content that's specific to the region, to the area that they're in, Mm -hmm. to their audience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I go into a speaking engagement, not only have I done my homework on who the audience is, as far as from a professional standpoint, who they are, what potentially their personalities are like, but I have all of these different ways to kind of get into my story and get into the message. Because if I show up, And all of a sudden, Charles is like, I'm not really rocking with that humor. I'm not rocking with the way he started. I have to read you immediately and to be able not to waste 15, 20, 30, 40 precious minutes that I have with you. I have to read you within the first five. Mm -hmm. And if I see that Charles isn't responding to this approach, I have to pivot. I have to go go to the bag and like go to another place and get into it. So you have to... Be, have this uh, incredible ability to adapt because yeah. not audience, not every audience is exactly the same. And, and and I can tell you that there have been moments where um, my friends like I had an opportunity a few years ago to be the Grand Marshal for the Rose Parade, uh, which is um, in, in, in Pasadena, California. We all mm-hmm. see it on New Year's Day, the huge parade, then you got the Rose Bowl game that happens afterwards and I was the Grand Marshal. First of all, when I was selected, I didn't understand the magnitude of the of, of the opportunity. I was like, I get to do the coin toss at the football game. That was enough for me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I go into the, you know, the, the, the tournament of Rose's house and they got all the pitches of all the past grand marshals. And I'm seeing the company that I'm joining wow. past presidents, past astronauts, people, wow. TV icons. And I'm like, I'm 28 wow. years old. What am I doing in this room? Right. Wow. Like I don't belong in this space. Right. And I just remember that part of the obligations is there's all these sponsors and they have all these different dinners. There's one night where they have all these different dinners all around town, all around Glendale, California. And so, or Pasadena, I'm sorry, Pasadena, California, not Glendale, Pasadena, Mm -hmm. what's right next to each other. But, um, and, and, and so I literally was in an SUV and I had to go visit like 10 or 12 of these dinners and speak for 10 to 15 minutes.
0: He, but was this a night was in it- a night <laughs> wow. in yeah. one night
1: and my wife's with me my mother-in-law my father-in-law with me my mother's with me and i'm in the car and the organizers are like we get in the car and i'm like okay who am i speaking to now and they're like okay you're gonna go speak to the farmers of america whatever it was and i'm like all right cool so they, what what is their time they, this is what they did this is how they get you all right cool I make that connection. This is who they are. This is what they contribute. This is, I need to tie it back to them. Right. And I would get in that room and I boom, deliver it. And then I'd get done and they'd be like, okay, we're getting in the car. And I'm like, okay, where am I going now? They're like, you're going, you're going to speak now to all the people, the legal team that happen all the legal stuff and do the yeah. contracts for the floats. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I that ability, that took yeah. years of preparation for me yeah. to understand, okay, I am I have, the way I come approach farmers I'm going to have a different approach when I go to lawyers. I'm going to have a different approach when I go to the kids. I'm going to have a different approach. And so your ability to develop sort of this chameleon ability to adapt in the moment and to allow yourself to be immersed, you learn that skill. You develop that skill, my friend. You will find yourself speaking to audiences that you never thought you would be able to speak to. But because you've allowed yourself that room to grow, you're there. You're the person wow. now. You're not just wow. getting 15 minutes. Now you're the main act. Yeah, now you yeah. are the person that people are <laughs> there to hear, speak, and share. And you, are, you will be the person that, you know, that, that again, yeah, you want people to remember your name. You want people to remember what, exactly what you said. But most importantly, I always focus on the Maya Angelou quote. Where pe- she says, people will not remember who you are, what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and as a speaker we have the ability to make people feel something yeah
2: yeah
0: that's, that's power man really man the the idea of becoming that saw at the speaker I, I really love your points trust your content take constructive criticism prepare to adapt mm-hmm. that, those are extra mile things like <laughs> like <laughs> you just can't you just can't be average <laughs> and be a great speaker You got
1: to go the extra mile. You do because it's such a saturated space, right? Everybody's a speaker. I mean, although it's one of the biggest fears that people have, as we've heard, public speaking is one of the biggest fears people have. I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of people over the course of 17 years that come up to me and say, I want to speak. There's a lot of people that come up to me and say, I want to speak. There's not that many people that have come up to me and said. Oh, I would never do that. I would never speak. They right. just like, oh, you know, I don't know what I would talk about. But mm-hmm. it, they're open to the idea, and and so you have to find the different elements of you mm-hmm. that are going to. You have to. I mean, you just you just have to trust. You just got to trust, and you got to find ways to evolve because what's going to separate you from the next person that's that's trying to compete for that same slot that you you want.
0: Right. Exactly. What would you say is your secret behind? having a successful speaking career who who are the people that you have behind your team that's that's helping you so you
1: know i i I kind of do things a little untraditional (laughs) and what i mean by that is when i got into uh you know the acting space um i I got into it without an agent without a manager um i just got a casting call an email and i was like i'll try it and it turned into a three-year opportunity and then when i got on for example dancing with the stars That was literally my the executive producer of all my children. I was talking to her. I was like, hey, people keep telling me I should think about this. What do you think? And She's like, oh, my God, you'd be great. I'm going to put a call in. She puts a call in. I have a meeting. So I get on dancing with no agent, no manager, no publicist. I had an assistant at the time just because I was busy from a speaking and an acting perspective and scheduling and, and philanthropic work. Yeah, that was it. And so then when I got on dancing now I had to find like all these different people right so I had to find like an agent and 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 I was in a I was in a very unique position where being on dancing with the stars where you have this incredible platform and I was evolving and growing that I had a lot of agencies kind of throwing themselves at me. I, I, had, I had that treatment. I was, I was lucky and blessed where people were like rolling out the red carpet. They would offer this and do this and do that. Yeah. And eventually I went with an agency, WME, William Morris Endeavor, that had a speaking division at that point because that's who I was going to go with for entertainment purposes. Um, but in hindsight, one of the things that I, that I didn't realize is that I went with an agency that had a big name and a, and a big client list And the reality is, even though I had a team, I had five designated, you know, agents to me from a speaking perspective. Yeah. Great. But what I started to realize is that now that agency is growing and now I'm getting lost. I'm getting lost. And the reality was there were smaller agencies that I really considered that didn't have a big client list that I really liked, but then I thought, well, they're smaller. They don't have enough power. Do they have enough power to get into all these different you know, spaces? Mm-hmm. And I think I probably should, would have been better off going there because yeah. I probably would have got more one-on-one attention because I, one thing I seeked, Charles, was, and I still seek to this day, is how can I continue to grow and evolve as a speaker? Yeah. How can I pivot and start talking about other aspects of where I am today in life and not always focusing on that day and in 2003 when my life was changed how can i evolve as as a presenter as a speaker and to be able to create a team that is willing to sit with you and brainstorm and to say this isn't an inconvenience this is an investment we're going to sit down and brainstorm with you is everything Uh at wme i didn't have that team they were so busy that i didn't have people to sit down and do that with do that do that with me i'm now represented by a different agency it's called Mm -hmm. harry walker agency and um you know, I feel like I get that now. I, yeah. I I have them. They have a team of agents over there, but I feel like I can sit down and brainstorm and say, I'm feeling passionate about this topic. What do you guys think? And they're like, okay, well, let's figure this out. Let's see where we can go with this. And yeah. and, and that's all you need. That's what you want. Um, but it really is right now. Like I'm kind of in a transitional period in my career from a professional standpoint. We're trying to develop my team. I had a team. I just, I went to school. Things slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I found myself... In 2015, um, this is a couple years after dancing, um, things slowed down, things dried up, man. And that was the first moment where I experienced wait a minute, I was getting offers of thousands of dollars before yeah. for engagement. Now I'm not getting any emails, I'm not getting any calls, I'm not getting anything. And what I failed to do and what I challenge everybody listening right now that wants to get into the space that maybe is not going to be able to be on daytime television or get on dance with the stars or any other platform similar, where you're immediately going to be exposed to millions of people. I challenge you to leverage social media. I challenge you to leverage the tool that every single one of us have at our disposal. That's absolutely free. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, the, the whole approach of years ago where you had to get with an agent you had to get on the show. And that's, there's people now that there influencers. Inf- we've heard the word influencers. Yeah. have never been on a TV in their life. The only screen they've been on is the one on your phone or your iPad, maybe your laptop. And they're making and reaching money millions. and they're reaching people, impacting people. So this notion of where you have to be, you know, in, in this space of where you're, You have to be uh, traveling on a plane. You have to be with this agent. You have to be on TV to get that notoriety, that recognition. No, 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 my friends. Now the time to really be a powerful speaker is how do you leverage your digital space? You can Mm -hmm. go to my Instagram, Charles, which you and I follow each other. You can go to my Facebook, my Twitter. Yeah. Total. And I'm not undermining this like this is nothing. I get that this is still a reach. I think total, I probably have about almost 200,000 followers total, all three platforms. Mm. I have not, I have done a poor job because I have been stuck in this space of believing that as a speaker, I have to be going to these places, wow. to these ballrooms, wow. to these hotels.
2: Mm.
1: So then when COVID 19 happens and suddenly it dries up because of course we can't do that, JR panics is like, well, where's my income going to come from now? When all along, I got friends that have been not in those 2,500 rooms, not in those, I mean, 2,500 capacity rooms, yeah. not, not, not in front of 5,000 people, 20,000 people as I've been at times. No, they're at home with just mm-hmm. themselves and a camera and literally reaching three, four, five times more people than I am and literally still making money. Yeah, And I'm over here trying to figure out, well, how do I do this talking to my agents? And, I, and, and, and in 2015, things dried up for me. And I've realized that I had become so reactive, so reactive to my agents calling me, calling me with offers and emailing me with offers that I stopped being proactive. I nice. stopped creating content. I stopped wow. kind of working on my craft. I just wow. became complacent. And because it, the, the, my background... And I don't know about you, Charles, but my background, my mother, and my father being immigrants and being growing up poor, my mother made less than $30,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So when I'm getting these offers and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm making more than my mother made in a year, in a week. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing everything I can. And it's just yes. in my nature to hustle and go and go and go. Right. Let me tell you the problem with that. The problem with that is I became burnt out. Wow. The problem with that was I was doing so many events. The first couple of years, I was on the road at least 275 days a year. I did almost 100, like a hundred, little north of a hundred events in those two years. Like each year, I was, I was grinding, but I got to a point where I became so disconnected with why I'm doing it in the first place. Wow. Because it was just like, it was a job. It was a duty. I had to go do it. I had to go do it. So just because we're in this mindset, well, we got to make money. I get that. We're all trying to have a, a make a good living for ourselves. You got to be smart because if I, I hate to admit this, but I think there were a lot of moments where I didn't show up at a hundred percent. I think I showed up maybe 70%, 75%. Wow. People still said that was amazing, but I, knew but I know I couldn't better. you know. Yeah. And the only reason I showed up at 77 because I was tired from the night before. I took an early flight this morning. I took a late flight last night. I stayed up because I was writing. I stayed up. Pushing it. Pushing it. Yeah. But guess what? My my true authentic self is not showing up every single time. So now, less I've understand this concept now. Less is more, my friend. Mm -hmm. Less is more. Mm
2: -hmm. It's not about
1: quality, it's about quantity. So I challenge people to start to leverage the platforms that all of us have at our discretion. Leverage social media, leverage YouTube, study other people. Don't get so caught up with your pride and your ego where you're like, well, I'm, I'm doing it and forget that person. I'm gonna hate on that person because they pretty much are saying the same thing I'm saying, but they, <laughs> they gotta, they, they're, they're, people are admiring them. No, learn, collab, yeah. collab, 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 collaborate, work mm-hmm. with other people. Just like Charles and I are doing right now. Hey, he has a podcast. I'm coming on yours. Guess what? Yeah. Charles is going to be on my podcast. We yeah. help each other out because you bring something completely different than I do. We might be saying the same thing, we're just yeah. getting to that conclusion through different paths and different journeys. So, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things that I would like to offer to people is like, don't become so reactive and don't think that speaking means that you have to be on a plane yeah. and be in front of people physically. Wow. The world has shifted. And good. if you don't shift with it, then you're going to be left behind, and you're going to be doing what Jr. was doing when he started speaking, getting the subway sandwich, literally just for me to speak. That's that uh-huh. was my fee. <laughs> I was <Yo>. like five dollar <laughs> foot long taxes, maybe six fifty. You know, like I mean, like yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'll
2: get, maybe I'll get
0: two bags of chips. See, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Jr. Man, this was real. Um, I I appreciate this because. Even though we're speakers and we're leading other people, sometimes we don't want to get to that space of like I'm vulnerable, like right. I'm le- I'm letting it all out. I'm exposing myself. we not to allow ourselves to be
1: led.
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. We, we
1: want to tell everyone else how how you know allow I, yourself to be lead, to be led, but we yeah. don't want to allow ourselves to be led.
0: Right, right. We
1: have to allow. We have to be vulnerable, man. Yeah,
0: that's that, and and that's my motto, man finding the opportunity to to relate right the vulnerability is the the relationship and the connection and authenticity so tribe speaking is not just about knowing everything it's about you being real with your story helping other people get to get to a place where those scars are beautiful
2: mm-hmm
0: and that's where you'll find the most freedom and liberty in sharing your story. Mm-hmm. It becomes a place where you're not you're not looking to be first but you're looking to be second to help people win. Mhm.
1: You know, there was there was a cat. I was on a plane once and uh I was I was young, I was in my early 20s and we were sitting next to each other and a uh, older guy. You know, I'm 37 right now so I mean Forgive me if he ends up listening to this and I get this wrong, but I, I think he's probably like in his, he, he's probably in his fifties right now. Like I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming. So he was probably in his late thirties, you know, when I was in my early twenties and, um, and he said something to me, cause I was like, oh, I want to be a speaker, you know, other stuff. And he said, your story is your story, but what is your story? Mm. And I can tell you that when I was young, I, I, I went, I remember getting off the plane and going back, going to my hotel room. And I was like sitting and thought about what he just said, like your story is your story, but what is your story? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Cause I, I mean, if he knows my story is my story, then he should know my story. But then I was like, oh no, wait, he's pretty much saying your story is your story, but what is it? How do you tell it? Do yeah. you even know what your story is? Yeah, We know what we've been through, Yeah, but do we know how to present that to other people? That's a, that's a whole other game. And I, I've always lived with that and I always remembered that. In early 2020, I traveled to Atlanta. I rented a car. And as I was getting ready to walk to the car, I heard J.R. Martinez. I turn around and it's him. Wow. He works at the, at, the, at the rental car company. His name is Leslie. And so I'm like, and I literally, as I would turn around, I'm like, I'd recognize him. And I got a big smile on my face and I walk up to him and I say, your story is your story. What is your story? Hmm. And he paused, and he, you know, I don't know, I don't know challenges he. I don't know what's his life, but that moment, that what he said with me, what he shared with me, yeah, 15 years ago, that it still sticks with me. That is the power that every single one of us have. That is the power and the opportunity that every single one of us have. You can't take this lightly. This is a responsibility. When you accept this responsibility to put yourself in that space to be the person that people are going to listen to put some respect on it yeah because it is a major responsibility you are the person that can actually save somebody's life and change the course for the better so let's let's continue to work and evolve and show up for each other
0: man JR, how can we find you on social media? What can we, well, how can, you can we first... connected with you? You know, cause you know, this, this is good. Tribe, tribe, come on y'all, like get with it. <laughs> Yo, so
1: I would say first you follow my man Charles and then you can find me through his page. But, um, I am a social I'm at, I am JR Martinez simple. And, uh, my website's JRMartinez.com and um you know that's the simplest way to find me man just uh you know i just invite people to come connect challenge me you know in a positive way from a space of love come challenge me come come to make me say jar have you thought about doing this jar why aren't you doing this and then come 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 socialize with me come come have conversation with me uh i don't i don't i don't when i get on stage i tell people i'm not here to it's not a one-sided conversation i'm not here to tell you something i'm here to have a conversation with you so let's talk so i invite those listening right now to come find me and let's talk
0: hey if you enjoyed today's episode why don't you do us a favor and leave a review hit the subscribe button we definitely want to keep these episodes coming and we want to help more people who are ready to break the silence even if their voice shakes so join the party head to JourneyToPaidSpeakingGigs dot forward slash training. That's Gigs dot com forward slash training to get your free training on how you can find your voice, develop your message, and get consistently paid speaking gigs. I'm out. I'll see you in the next episode.